0: Hello and welcome to Idea City, a TEDxYYC podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gilbert, and today I'm speaking to Ishida Singla, the founder and artistic director of Madhuban Performing Arts, a group blending music and dance, pioneering South Asian arts that has volunteered performances for more than 75 different cultural, charitable and not-for-profit initiatives since its founding in 2016. Ishida is a passionate, self-taught artist who has been performing in the community for more than 14 years. She's worked tirelessly to promote South Asian art and heritage through dance and collaborating with various charitable and not-for-profit initiatives. In January of 2020, Ishida was honoured as a finalist for the Immigrants of Distinction Award in the arts and culture category. She's also been awarded the South Asian Excellence Award for being an inspiration to the youth and a top 50 contender from 18,000 auditions in Dance India, Dance North America. Ishida, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, let's start with the big question. What's your big idea for improving your community?
1: My big idea has been to create a safe space for artists where we nurture potential, where we help people reach that potential that is hidden within. It doesn't matter the background, color, race, wherever you come from. The only thing that matters is the vigor and the passion you bring to the table and for you to be able to be who you are. So that's been my big idea and how I have implemented that in the community is through Madhuban Performing Arts.
0: That's a great answer. So actually, let's talk about Madhuban a bit. For those who don't know, uh, what is the Madhuban Performing Arts Group?
1: So Madhuban Performing Arts is a not-for-perfect profit. So Madhuban Performing Arts is actually a not-for-profit collective for artists, uh, musicians, performers, uh, dancers to come together under one umbrella and be able to perform authentic South Asian um, dances, music, and different community and cultural events.
0: So what can people who go to one of your performances expect to see?
1: a lot of color, authenticity, um, genuine art, and people's self-expression. So that is something uh, we're big on. Uh, We're big on bringing out folk art mixed in with urban styles and what your individuality is, and then bringing into a collective.
0: So let's talk a bit about your background in dance. When did you first become interested in dance and performing arts generally? (laughs)
1: So that's a good question because I actually don't remember when I became interested in the arts. Um, I believe I have been dancing since the time I walked. Uh, My parents, um, you know, noticed that I would always dance to music and Bollywood is big in India. I was raised in India for um, 10 years and that like anything playing on TV would just trigger like a, a dance performance and I would not stop, so i have actually not been trained. I'm a self-trained dancer, um, which you introduced to me. Ugh. And the reason I'm not trained is because my mom saw me dancing in my primitive, you know, uh, younger years, and she would say, you know, you already know how to dance, so why do you need training? And so it's a funny story because I still blame her for not getting me dance training.
0: Ooh, throwing your mom out of the bus so Yes. Early. Yeah, she needs to hear this. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's talk about when you first started going into different dance groups and trying to integrate into the dance scenes that were already here. What was your experience like?
1: It wasn't too terrible, but it wasn't the best. Um, there were some high moments and there were moments that were super low. Um, and I think that the low moments is what actually triggered um, me to create something new, something which is more inclusive and a safe space. So what I experienced early on in my dance career, uh, when I was dancing solo everywhere in different community events, you know, at university, I was making a name uh, as an artist individually. um, I noticed a lot of people trying to take Advantage of me as an artist, as a solo artist, and so I did get recruited into different dancing troops, performing troops. But you know, uh, I did notice a lot of different uh, challenges. So one being body shaming, um, and you have to be a certain size, you have to be a certain, you have to look a certain way, you have to wear certain clothes to be fit for these groups, right? Like Bollywood is very flashy, very glamorous, right? So you, and um, as we progress in the Bollywood industry, it's getting more and more about ex, like exposing yourself in different ways. And I think that is something that I didn't align with, right? And I, I thought it didn't align with my values. It didn't align with artistic expression. And another thing that I started noticing is that um, it, it wasn't really about what you had to bring to the table, it was more about conforming. And if you didn't conform to what the leadership had to say, or the leadership wanted to portray you as, then you were kind of outcasted in the arts industry. So um, I, so there were a lot of different challenges that I've, you know, seen and gone through. So was there
0: a specific moment, like a straw that broke the camel's back for you? And you're like, okay, I can't, do this with someone else's group i need to make my own
1: yeah so there was a time when um a really well-known local artist had asked me to choreograph a piece and um uh i spent about five hours on that you know i was working at it and i was helping this artist with the back end stuff and when we actually went to perform, um, the lead was changed. So I was no longer the lead dancer, even though I choreographed the piece because I didn't look a certain way. Um, and once that happened, I was also not introduced um, as the choreographer. I was not given any credit. And I remember being in the washroom crying um like like you know bursting out into tears and feeling all all the uh, different emotions i could like was i worth it what what am i doing why am i here why am i working so hard for this and then two girls walked into the washroom okay and they recognized me from my youtube videos because i used to post a lot of youtube videos and they're like are you ishita and i'm like yeah and they're like can I take a photo with you? And they handed the phone over to the lead dancer who was consoling me at that point. And I was like, hey, I have value. I have a name that I've built on my own accord. And you know what? I'm going to go do something where this never happens to another artist. So if we go out and perform, we are known as Madhuban. We're not known as Ishita's group. you know. And people who choreograph in the back end, they get the credit.
0: That's a great story. Uh, so can you explain a bit more of the problems that you're solving with Maduban? Because you said, you know, I want to make a safe space where everyone feels inclusive. And you sort of touched on some of the reasons that you felt like you needed to start this. Uh, but going into the nitty gritty, because from my understanding, this is a problem that's uh, almost industry-wide in dance, generally speaking. And I don't think people are necessarily aware of it.
1: Yeah, so I would say... First of all, we don't care about what size you are. We don't care about what you look like. And we don't care about, um, you know, how you put, like, sorry. So at Madhuban, we're a group of about 30 artists now, musicians and dancers. And, you know, we jokingly talk about how we're a group of outcasts. Um, So I believe we're already solving the problem there because... All these artists have had um, adverse uh, experiences out there in the community where they weren't allowed to be themselves. You know, they were judged for their appearances or they were judged for where they came from. And we're mitigating that. We're making sure that there is a safe space. As I mentioned earlier, that's been the main goal. When you look at um, the word Madhuban, um, if you Google that, it actually mythologically means... Uh, a mystical, magical garden where uh, dance came to be in mythological terms and Hindu mythology. So I feel that we are, from our name, we're staying true to that and we're actually implementing that by creating a safe, safe space. I cannot stress that enough. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, that sounds like a really worthy endeavor. Uh, So what are your ultimate goals with Madhuban?
1: So we started out with two dancers um, in 2016. And the goal was to just prove ourselves, not just to, you know, the society or the community, just to ourselves that we can do something different than everyone else. We can make it out there being the underdogs, right? And now, six years later, we're 30 artists, as I mentioned earlier, and um, it's musicians and dancers both. And the goal has been, still, to just do everything differently and to be authentic to who we are. And so being being on that trajectory, being on that journey, we've done some cool things. So in 2019, we recorded our own Madhuban anthem, is what we call it. And it was just a an artistic de- depiction of how the dancers came to be and how they came on board. And they were a- they were able to represent their own you know communities, right? Like we had the LGBTQ representation in there. We had different dance styles, what people bring to the table. And that video actually made it onto CBC Calgary. And that's how a lot of people got to know us. And then one thing led to the other, and we had a call from, like we were practicing in a studio once, and I remember we were all so tired. And- and um we got a call from singapore and it was a big bollywood production starring a hollywood bollywood cross uh crossover with hollywood actually and it was starring um a french um like Oscar nominee and a big star from Bollywood and they wanted us to promote a song, a feature song from the film and we were like, are you kidding me? We almost thought it was a scam call. So, you know, one thing led to the other. We did a Bollywood thing and then now, um, I can't talk about this too much, but we might be in a Netflix movie. Um, So, there's things that have been happening and uh, we've opened for Bollywood concerts. We're opening for a Bollywood concert soon another one and um, uh, there's just been a lot of different projects that we've been working on and a big dream of mine has to be uh, bringing a New York style production to Calgary so which means like a Bollywood like you know fiesta, basically, with music, dance, acting, and not just your typical Bollywood love story with dancing around the trees, but something more in depth and something that brings out the um, emotion and how we see ourselves as artists and put that on stage.
0: So that's a lot of success. That's also a lot of public attention. So I'm wondering, because we've spoken before about the importance of representation South Asian representation. So it seems like it's a bit of a double-edged sword where this is what you want, but it also seems like it's very intimidating. So how do you navigate that?
1: So how we navigate the intimidating part of this endeavor is by being, again, authentic to ourselves, right? Um, I don't tell my artists what to do they bring the ideas to the table and how fitting to be talking about it on Idea City because it's all about ideas and authentic ideas and pitching it to the community and not doing it for pretentious reasons not doing it to prove something to someone it's more of proving how capable we are in representing ourselves in the most capable of ways, right? Like it's nothing about um, an agenda or personal propaganda or something like that. Um, so it's just always been very clean, um, not related to any politics or anything else. And that's it's simple, as simple and as complex as that.
0: And I think that's also a good segue into your audition process, if I'm not mistaken. So do you want to talk a bit about that?
1: Yeah. So we are an audition-based team. And the reason why we do that is because I am looking for artists who are in it for the right reasons. So we can actually nurture that space for others, right? So you cannot work with someone you cannot get along with or gel with. Um, Art is created best when it's in a nurturing, safe, creative space. And so when we do these uh, auditions, there is a, there are three segments to it. The first is someone comes up with their own choreography or their music piece, and then they, like, you know, showcase that to us. Um, we watch that. We, you know, take and account what they can bring to the table. And then we also teach them a choreographed piece, or we ask them, like, for a music team, it would be a little different. Um And then we actually emphasize more on the interview part. So we get to know them. And um, if we're we're not able to gauge, you know, because we realize that interviews can be really intimidating. If we're not able to gauge their personality from a personal interview, we actually bring them on board as an external collaborator work with them and see if the personality is a right fit, if the moral values kind of like fit with the organizational values. And then we go from there.
0: So you've mentioned before that um, this is a lot about South Asian representation, but you also don't discriminate in terms of who can audition or who can be a part of the group. So how do you, again, navigate those two ideas that seem sort of at loggerheads with each other?
1: 100 percent. Like we don't discriminate. We have... Colombian dancers. We have Caucasian Canadian dancers. We have people who have no idea about South Asian culture, but that's the best part about it. We're looking for people who can culturally appreciate the South Asian arts. We're not looking for just South Asian artists, right? The whole purpose of being in Canada and representing our culture is not to just be isolated. It's to integrate. It's to not just create another silo. It's to actually you know, marry both cultures and bring out what we can and show the world that, you know, you can be from wherever you are, but you you will jam out to the best of upbeat Bollywood songs in the same way any Indian would, right, or any Pakistani would. So we don't discriminate in any of those senses. And it's more about just people who are able to culturally appreciate um, and are also open to learning about new culture, right? We have a new dancer on the team and she's actually leading the new performing team and she's not from the culture, right? She's a Canadian, she was born here, she's Caucasian. And- she, also, she claims that she was Indian in her past life, and her, our, um, you know, her, our team birthday gift for her was a starter pack, and it included a sari, um, a bindi, like bindi pack, and some Indian jewelry and like attires, so we welcome all.
0: So you mentioned cultural appreciation before. I think, you know, cultural appropriation is sort of a a hot button issue these days. Yeah. What for you is the difference between appreciation and appropriation?
1: I think appropriation happens when someone is disrespectful towards culture. It's almost like making fun of what, you know, like I own fun of the culture. Like I've seen some Hollywood movies kind of like mock our accent or like, you know, kind of get that wrong. Um, I think that's a little on the appropriating side. Um, Not if you're wearing a bindi. Okay. Bindi is an aesthetic representation of femininity in um, Indian culture. And I don't understand why people make a big deal out of it, right? Being a brown woman, if I see a white girl wearing a bindi and dancing to my tunes, I feel proud that our culture has reached different cultures and it's reached different people and now people are joining us.
0: So let's talk a bit more about those people then. Uh, Who are the people who join... Madhuban and why do they join?
1: So primarily Madhuban started out as a dance group and there has been a like a funny but interesting, uh, you know, route for us to get a music team on board, a band, a South Asian band, first of its kind in Calgary. And uh, that story actually started out with one of my closest friends, who's on the team and you know he saw us and our passion and our vigor for dance and he wanted to do the same thing for musicians so you know, he brought on a lot of those musicians on board, so that's been the journey there in branching out to the music team. And then we have some interesting stories from the dance team and how some people found us. And I, as I mentioned earlier, we're a group of misfits, and like I've had a really interesting story for each individual um, who have joined us, and I could go on and on about it. But like though some of the stories that stand out to me is, you know, when. Um, Like I was choreographing for a a youth group um, in one of the sub communities in South Asia. And uh, there was a shy, coy 15 year old in the background, and she wouldn't even come to the forefront. And you know what? I realized that she's actually a really good dancer, but she's just not been exposed to the right kind of choreography or guidance or t- mentorship. And, you know, I started bringing her slowly to the forefront, like so from the b- uh, the backseat to like the midline, and then I would like, come more downstage, you know, come to the forefront. And and um, once I started bringing her out to more opportunities and performances and then now if you see her she is loud proud and you know vibrant and she's actually leading one of our dances for a big big concert and she's our youngest dancer and um, in her recent assignment a uh, school assignment she wrote about how she dancing and dancing with the type of people we have in the group has transformed her um so that's been a success story personally for me for someone to say that they've you know learned a lot of confidence and a lot about themselves in early years of you know formative years of their being and and another story that actually stands out to me and gets me really emotional is this one dancer who um found us through YouTube. And the video I mentioned earlier, Madhuban Anthem, which made it onto media and you know um, got a lot of views and a lot of community outreach, she found that video on YouTube as soon as she landed from India in Canada. And uh, she found us on Facebook. She found my personal account on Facebook and kept messaging until I noticed my, like, you know, the filtered messages. And then I finally came across her and she sent me her audition clips. And she was like, I really want to dance with you guys. And at the end of our first performance, she got on her one knee and started crying and was holding my hand and saying, and like, Like, I just like we just had this moment of like pure appreciation for each other. And she's saying how, you know, she never imagined that the video she had been watching on repeat she'd be a part of something like that, like in the future. So I thought that was uh, also like a key success story for us on the type of people we were bringing um, on board. So, yeah, these are the type of stories, the type of people we've been meeting through Madhuban.
0: I think those stories are great. And there's a lot to dissect there. Uh, there's one thing in particular that I found interesting was that um, she found you through YouTube clips. And I think you've mentioned YouTube clips before, and you know, getting onto the CBC and there's a lot of uh, dance on digital platforms now. So I'm wondering um, when it comes to these platforms and, and the Internet age, how is dance faring and how is it doing with this new media?
1: Yeah, so it is the TikTok generation, right? So a lot of um, trends are coming out. A lot of dancers are making it big through digitalization. Um, you are seeing dancers who's less... Uh, on stage and more behind the camera and I think our group is still a little more traditional because we're more in the community and we're performing on stages more than we are actually creating or producing content for digital media but we are starting to you know get into that uh, arena more we do work with a local uh, videographer who's actually um, in the wedding photography scene but he loves working on creative projects with us so that's also another cool collaboration. And um, how we are navigating that whole space is by being original. I don't think any of us believe in following the trends. Like, no offense to people who are doing the TikTok dances, but we want to create our own. So you might actually see Madhuban on TikTok soon.
0: Well, okay, that's a promise you better keep now that you've said (laughs) it. So uh, moving from new technologies to old traditions, Uh, My understanding from when we were talking about this earlier before the interview was that there was a lot of pushback culturally for uh, a young woman trying to pursue dance. And can you explain that to people who maybe don't share your background so that they can understand your story a little better?
1: Yeah, so this is a multi-pronged um issue that I faced right there were a lot of different aspects of why there was a pushback from the community from um like some closed people the closed ones too right like it was the reason being is because arts is not seen as a viable career option right it doesn't pay well it doesn't it doesn't feed doesn't feed you well and I there's always a risk of actually making it, quote, unquote, making it into the mainstream, whatever scene. And I think that is still the reason, a barrier why I have not made it like a full-time career. And do I see that in the future? Maybe, maybe not. But we're still working towards that, right? We're breaking those barriers. And another aspect is there being a woman, right? Being a woman who's dancing, um, dancing can sometimes be seen as, um, a racy, um, promiscuous art form. I, you know, I bite my tongue when I'm saying this because I, like, that is how it's seen, you know? You go out in the community and dance, you're a young girl and, uh, you know, you're close ones, your family, they're worried about you. They're worried that these men are going to view you in a different sense. And these other women are going to kind of look down upon you because you're a dancer and you're showing your midriff or you're dancing and you're shaking your hips. But there's still work to be done where people can appreciate dance in a more respectable way.
0: So Ishida, I feel like we've been uh, circling around this question a lot during the interview, so I just want to come out and ask, why is the kind of representation you're putting forth important?
1: The reason why it's important is because people are not used to seeing people who look like us in, you know, uh, music videos, dance videos, or the artistic things that we're doing, um, people are expected to be doctors, engineers, and, you know, the cookie cutter uh, career programs, but we are doing both. Um, we're act- we actually have artists who are doing great things in their own career fields. You know, we have engineers who are top 30, under 30. We have people who are um, in the media. We have people who are uh, uh, aspiring to be doctors, different careers, paths, but then they're like, almost Hannah Montana by the night, right? Like they're performing and they're stars and these like rock stars who are like getting up on stage and like wowing these big audiences. So I think to see that is inspiring for people who are younger, who are maybe even older, who have these unrealized like dreams, unrealized potential, because they were, um, you know, stopped or they were they were, you know, asked not to pursue their own dreams. So if you're a writer, if you're creative, if you're a dancer, actor, whatever it is, it is important for you to see people who look like you um, pursuing their dreams.
0: And uh, what's been the reaction to being out there and being so prominent? Have you heard any feedback from that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, I think even talking to you right now is, you know, us making it somewhere where people are actually recognizing us and people are seeing that, oh, you know, these these girls, these guys, they're authentic to what they're doing. We just recently did a concert. We did an opening act and there were people screaming in the audience saying, we love you, Madhuban. We love you. And I think that speaks for itself we always get a lot of like messages from parents saying you know we want our child to be trained by your academy we want them to learn from you so they grow up and they learn to be as confident to be out there because you don't you learn so many transferable skills what when you're in the performing world you get learn how to talk to people you learn how to be um you know admirable. You learn how to um, navigate different problem situations, and to overcome your own personal insecurities.
0: Now, I'm going to use that segue because you were mentioning navigating difficult situations. I know that there's a bit of a pandemic fatigue when it comes to talking about this, but it seems to me that a performing arts group like what you were doing would have a very hard time socializing through that. So what was your strategy for getting through that, and how did Madhuban come out the other side of the pandemic?
1: So, you know, it was kind of crazy because we never thought we would be in a pand- pandemic like that. And um, it did put a hold on really big projects for us. So while that was a bummer, I think the beauty and the magic was to see how our group came together and came up with a strategy to even almost come closer to one another. We started celebrating everyone's birthdays. Virtually, every team member got a birthday surprise that year. We showed up when restrictions allowed. We showed up in one of our members' backyards with masks on. And we did a dance, like a spaced out six meter (laughs) uh, apart dance for this member. And, you know, we surprised him. So, like, there's been so many different ways we uh, navigated this. We did, did an online murder mystery for one of the birthdays. Like, It was more about the team building. It was like, how do we keep connected? It didn't have to be about the art specifically. It was more about the community building at that time. It was like, you know, survival mode. But at the same time, when we came out of it, we were ready to take on the world. And during the pandemic, we did do a lot of different projects and we prepped for the aftermath of the pandemics, right? So we did some online free classes on Facebook and I have a video of a toddler holding on to a table, like a coffee table, like dancing to uh, my my instructional video, like that is precious to me, right? So a lot of parents thanked us after saying, you know, thank you for doing those free classes. It kept us busy, kept us on our feet. And then our music team was pumping out music and like they were utilizing that time to actually develop their own skills. And then, you know, when a lot of like you know, adverse situations were happening in the world, we actually started doing campaigns and interviews on our Instagram channel with other artists and building the community in that sense. So it's not just us isolated in Madhuban. We're actually reaching out to other artists and, you know, talking about their experience. We invited external dancers to come do workshops and et cetera. So it was a lot of fun.
0: So for people who might be inspired by everything you've said today and want to emulate a bit of what you've done and build their own communities, get their own representation out there, uh, I know it's been a long struggle for you getting to where you are, but you guys are doing really well. What are some of the pitfalls you can warn people about before they embark on the same journey that you did?
1: I would say don't get way in your head about, you know, what are the struggles out there? How do I navigate this? Um, am I going to be able to do this? Just be yourself. I think I've been the most clumsiest, the, the most vulnerable, the biggest crybaby in this uh, group. And I think my team could attest to that. Like, you know, I have the biggest breakdowns. I have back issues. I have, like, the all the problems in the world that you could have. But I have never stopped and thought to myself, like, am I doing the right thing? Like, should I be doing this? Should I be leading this group? It's all about, like, what your heart is saying and following that, right? And even, like, a pandemic hits, right? You could get, like, there's two routes to this. You could either get all wound up in, uh, like, now we're not going to be able to perform. What are we going to do? Or you could take the other route and be like, okay, this is my time to build my community, like to get closer to these people, have these conversations that we couldn't because we could, we were performing every week. We'd never had the chance to actually sit down and talk and, you know, do the legwork. And I think that like those two years allowed us to do that. So I think it's always about the silver lining and I know it's easier said, but I, I, assure you there's always a silver lining.
0: Now, I want to talk a bit about those silver linings because I think one of them is just how close you are with the people in your group. Now, when I attended one of your practices, I saw them jokingly and lovingly calling you mom among other great and wonderful things. I saw you blush quite a bit when I asked them about you. How do you get a community that cares for each other so deeply?
1: Again, it's I'm going to re- reiterate this. It's about building a safe community, right? When I have these conversations with my dancers, I'm not there as their leader. I'm there as their friend. I understand if they're coming late to a practice. I understand if life is happening. You you know, the dance community, the music community builds so many parameters, uh, barriers, and on how you should be, how disciplined you should be. It is not meant to be that way. It's not supposed to be so structured. Art is supposed to be fluid. It's supposed to allow people to be who they are. If we don't have adversities in our life, if we don't go through the challenges we go through, how are we going to channel that pain, that anger, or whatever we're feeling into the art? That's what brings out art, right? So, you know, I think the reason why people call me their mom is I allow themselves to be who they are, but then I also, you know kind of get like strict with them when I feel like they're not meeting their full potential. But it's not because I'm setting a standard saying, this is your standard and this is like my unrealistic standard for you. It's because I know they can reach their potential, their own potential. And I think it takes, like a leader should always be, not just like walking ahead of their, you know, group. It's a, a good leader should, you know, follow what their, their troop and like walk behind them and push them to that finish line.
0: So for people listening who want to reach their potential and maybe want to do that by reaching out to you, where can they find you?
1: So we are on all social channels um, except for TikTok. Where. I'm going to be on TikTok soon, um, but it's at Madhuban Performing Arts um, on Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter. I think Twitter is Madhuban Arts. So you can find us on all of these social channels.
0: Great. Well, Ishta, is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we wrap this up?
1: I just want to say how thankful I am to all of my team members and all the past members, uh, you know, the, everyone part of the faculty we have great artists we also have admin members who make things happen and I just want to say like you guys are all incredible and if you guys are listening to this um I want to thank you and I also want to apologize for any any mishaps that have happened over the years um I cannot do this without you and the reason why TEDxYYC is talking to me is because of you
0: well great Ishida Singla thanks you much for coming on Well, great. Yeshita Singla, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me, Andrew.
0: Before we sign off, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. We'd also like to acknowledge that Idea City was made on Treaty 7 land and was made possible by Hunter Hub for Social Innovation. This podcast was produced by Work Nicer, Andrew Gilbert, Kurt Archer, Simone Pabrezza, and the TEDxYYC graphics team. Music for this podcast is by Sargent and Comrade.